0: All right, well, good evening, everybody, and thanks for joining us. So, tonight, uh, joining me here at Wilton, we have John and Tony, and uh, Keith and Mark paying us a visit, and uh, Paul. And joining on Zoom, we have Joe and Cynthia. So, we're going to look at what we just chanted, uh, the closing mantra of the Heart Sutra, the Gate Gate. And it dawned on me, as I was preparing for, uh, for two talks this week, tonight and Saturday's talk on the Third Noble Truth, how, how absolutely perfect, it is to be doing both of these within a couple of days of, of each other, because they're both really about the same thing. The third noble truth is about the cessation of suffering, also known as nirvana, in the more popular lingo. And that's what gate-gate, paragate, parasamgate. That's nirvana. So after tonight, if you want to skip Saturday, you'll, you'll and just enjoy your nirvana. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> Although if it doesn't last until Saturday, feel free to come back then. <laughs> and we can work at it from a slightly different angle. But they really are. Dealing well, with. For those of us who still have ways to go toward more you'll, you'll be there. <laughs> you backsliders. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So, and, and the first part of uh, tonight's talk about this, I'm going to be drawing as my pr- principal resource, not the Coleman uh, talk on this subject, but rather uh, from Red Pine's commentary on the Heart Sutra. And then we'll double back to Colvin and, and close out with that. But, uh, but I, I think Red Pine's comments will, uh, will be very helpful in terms of setting us up for what Colvin has to say about this. And first off, uh, Red Pine makes the statement that by taking refuge in Prajnaparamita, so now we're talking about the entirety of the, of the Heart Sutra and even beyond that, the Prajnaparamita literature, which the Heart Sutra uh, just represents one small portion of. But by taking refuge in, in that, in the, in the perfection of wisdom, in wisdom beyond wisdom, bodhisattvas overcome all obstacles to enlightenment. The overcoming of obstacles, also known as obstructions. So, Dongshan in Song of the Precious Mirror talks about myriad were or uh, thousands of words, myriad interpretations are only to free you from obstructions. The, the uh, words and interpretations pointing to Dharma, Dharma teachings and all the interpretations, commentaries on those teachings. They're, they're, they're simply to accomplish one thing, to free, free you from obstructions. Overcome all obstacles to enlightenment. So, taking refuge in Prajna Paramita, which we do, one of the ways we do that is by chanting the Heart Sutra, only to free you from obstructions.
1: And obstructions, obstacles, kind of point
0: to what's gonna be a, a recurring refrain here tonight, this sense of no self, no thingness, the emptiness of all things, shunyata, which is at the heart of the Paramita literature and at the heart of the Heart Sutra, that this is about flow. There are no things.
1: There is not a single thing but that's not saying nothing exists. It's it's
0: saying that everything is in constant flux. We just simply don't perceive it that way. But yet as modern science continues to delve deeper and deeper into this, our own sense of self, our own mental faculties are simply this rich networking that's constantly flowing. It's not a thing. To call it such is really delusion. No question about it. That's not what it is. And it's interdependent with so many different things. So when we talk about overcoming obstacles, and and removing obstructions. These are the obstacles
1: and obstructions to seeing this flowing that represents our existence and the existence of all things.
0: To overcome our deluded view of things, to actually see with the mind's eye, so to speak, the emptiness of all things. So this mantra is pointing to that. Gate, gate. And as Red Pine goes on to say, this mantra involves no knowledge. You don't even have to study the, the earlier part of the Heart Sutra or any of the other Prajaparamita literature.
1: This mantra leads beyond knowledge. So you could start right, right there. Or Red Pine then
0: phrases it a little differently and says that mantras are knowledge that transcends our normal understanding of knowledge. So we we get it
1: sometimes, the message that's coming across to us, what's being conveyed, but it's not, and it can't be in the
0: shape, form of our usual way of understanding things, because that usual way is the way of seeing things, objects, and seeing myself
1: as the subject relating to the object. So these mantras like the gate
0: gate are a way of cutting through that with the use of words, that are words, but then again, in another sense, they're not words, we just chant them
1: without understanding them in the usual semantic way that we we understand words. He says, They're the
0: creation, the the mantras. They're the creation of beings in touch with the underlying vibrations of the mind and the keys that unlock its power through sympathetic harmonics. Sounds kind of new (laughs) agey. But it also points in a more scientific vein to you know, these underlying vibrations of the mind, kind of like pulses, electrical pulses. And I think neuroscientists could plug into that in terms of what chanting does in terms of kind of an alignment, you might say almost, of our central nervous system. And when we really merge with the chanting, we kind of feel that at a certain level, this mental alignment taking place, this
1: samadhi-like state. And it's a samadhi state that's active.
0: It's not just sitting still. Chanting is very active, but yet we become one with it. We merge with it. So these sympathetic harmonics, sympathetic in terms of of their mutual response, which can happen because of the clarity that, that arises from acts like chanting that allow us to merge into it. If we become distracted, then we're not chanting anymore. Our mind is elsewhere. And if we're chanting at a fast enough pace, and Paul had us going at a good clip, that was good. <laughs> it's for it's to better enable us to appreciate this this harmonic attunement. Because if you're distracted, your mind drifts elsewhere, you completely drop out of the chanting. You can't do it. You could fake it if we're going slower. <laughs> But if we're going at a fast pace, you have to be
1: right there in it, completely and totally. In touch with the underlying vibrations of the mind
0: and the keys that unlock its power through sympathetic harmonics. The power to actually see things beyond what language can can point out to us in its
1: diluted way of operating. So actually he says a mantra has a use rather than
0: a meaning, which makes it very different (laughs) from standard teachings. And that's why it seems so very appropriate that the Heart Sutra concludes with a mantra.
1: Because if it has a use rather than a meaning, use
0: is about practice and practice is
1: acting. Prajna, coming back to prajna, we generally think of that as
0: something you have, you attain, a thing
1: like substance. But prajna is practice, has to be. If prajna is the
0: emptiness of all things, there are no things, including prajna.
1: Prajna is totally empty. So practice is pointing to this. Of course, practice is empty. You can't grasp it. It's ongoing. It's part of that energy, (laughs) that flow, constant.
0: That's our wisdom and the only place it can manifest. Otherwise, you know, we're still, as, as Dogen would put it in Genjo Koan, we're still, you know, around the, uh, the entranceway, kind of looking around the whole thing, <laughs> saying, what is this?
1: But when we practice, We're in that harmonic vibration. So I think Brian Wilson was on to something there with those good vibrations. (laughs) Dharma practice. So this mantra contains the essential teaching
0: of the Prajnaparamita. And also, and this is a beautiful way that Reb Pine describes this. It also enables those who chant it to join the lineage of Buddhas who have their origin in this teaching. By merely understanding the meaning of this mantra, the mind is freed. And the only way we understand the meaning is by wholeheartedly
1: chanting it. So when we do that, our Buddha nature is coming forth, our prajna. Anuttara, Samyak, Sambodhi. Unsurpassed, complete, perfect enlightenment. And it's active. It goes beyond words. So because
0: this mantra is identical to enlightenment, there's no difference. It, too, is called ad just like Anyatara, Samyak, Sambodhi. And it is the beyond,
1: which is the gate-gate-para-gate. It is beyond. Parasamgate completely gone beyond. Completely. When the Buddha was asked asked if he could suggest a comparison
0: for Buddhahood. this this state that the the Buddha had had, uh, realized, he pointed to the sky, unbounded, indivisible, and all-pervasive. And that's our mind, basically pure and clear, and dwells forever in the perfect illumination
1: of what is real in response to what is present. So clarity, clarity of mind, clarity of sky is to allow ourselves
0: to experience reality as it is
1: without the need to keep filtering it through our words and our concepts that we can truly go beyond. Because this is the mind's essential nature. It gets conditioned in other ways that creates suffering,
0: which is what we've been looking at um, our monthly, in our monthly
1: Jukai classes. The disturbed karmic mind that dwells in suffering. But based on the mind's essential nature, we can Achieve, chief the third noble truth. And that practice is always available to us
0: because none of the myriad dharmas
1: that we encounter is beyond the mind. So this is why
0: these Dharma gates that are always present for us, we can enter them every single one. We have the capability. Because nothing is beyond the mind. That's one of the impactful lines in our meal chant that we do at Jakoji. The mind is pure
1: and goes beyond. Thus, we bow to Buddha. And that's a fitting way to, uh, to
0: practice with that realization. The mind is pure and goes beyond. Thus, we bow to, to Buddha. Thusness is just each moment, each experience, everything coming together to create that in this
1: Flow, radical interdependence. A beautiful analogy Red Pine makes. He
0: says, Some mothers sing lullabies. Prajnaparamita sings this mantra. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That really nails it to my mind. Just like a mother singing a lullaby, Prajnaparamita sings this mantra.
1: And a mantra is simply a person's own mind. Talk about no separation. So when we're chanting, it's our it's simply our mind With perfect clarity so the
0: the word, kind of the the key word that structures the whole mantra. Is para as in paramita. So prajna paramita, prajna being wisdom is wisdom beyond wisdom.
1: So para gate is is beyond. Gate gate is just. Gone, gone, gone,
0: gone beyond. Then parasamgate completely
1: gone beyond in our wholeness. And that means since we're
0: not separate from any other being because there are no beings,
1: that means everybody goes across. And that's the Buddha's great enlightenment, and that's what Dogen constantly would come back to. Everybody goes beyond. Now we hear that, and we
0: we're just conditioned to think, well, that's crazy, because we're conditioned to think that you know there are all these separate beings. It's like, well, I can't bring. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. If they were all separate beings, you couldn't. <laughs> so you're right. <laughs> but that's the diluted way of seeing. Seeing it as, as this field of energy.
1: And this energy is going forth. It has to be all
0: all beings, but we kind of in the style of uh, that deconstructionist philosopher of the 20th century, Jacques Derrida, write beings, but put an X through it. Because <laughs> you have to use the word, but you have to signify it really isn't <laughs> designating anything. So beings with the X through it, they
1: are all going across, going beyond. And when we
0: come to that realization, the urgency of the practice all of a sudden is pretty elevated. You know, if it's just for me, well, I can be pretty flippant about that. You know, let me check in with myself and see what I feel like
1: doing. (laughs) But if... Is, is signifying this, this kind of understanding, then I mean, from kind of have to do this. There's no other way. But then to to start to close this out,
0: the Red Pines piece to it at least, uh, he points out that uh, whatever it is, whatever it is, this teaching is beyond it, including itself. So the Heart Sutra, In in the course of the body of that text, it's deconstructing all the Buddhist teachings. Going beyond, going beyond the first turning of the wheel, the Four Noble Truths. It's going beyond the second turning of which the Heart Sutra is part of. It's going beyond that.
1: What Nagarjuna referred to is the emptiness of emptiness. He recognized that that would be the last thing
0: people would find to to hold on to that followed this path. Because it's ingrained in us to find something
1: substantial that we can hold on to. But this notion of, of gone
0: beyond paragate completely
1: gone beyond all of the teachings. So it's not about this particular teaching
0: or tradition or any of that, it's all empty. So when I say I have to be doing this, it's in this sense of of thusness of how we approach our lives. And it could, as, as Mark can appreciate with his study of the interior castle, I could certainly see myself uh, just as wholeheartedly engaged in that style of Christianity. It's portable in that sense, it's not dependent upon any particular set of words, any particular set of stories. You know, we all have our stories. Christianity has some beautiful stories and parables. Buddhism
1: does too. We have to go beyond. But use these teachings As
0: a skillful means, they are a means. That's why we study them and practice with them.
1: That's really what the studying entails, is practicing. Coming back to Dogen's use of study, when he says to study
0: Zen is to study the self. And he wasn't talking about majoring in psychology. He was talking about becoming intimate with yourself, with what's going on.
1: So, study is to become intimate with, be attentive to, in a non judgmental way. So this closing mantra, the gate gate
0: going beyond language and all the categories in which language imprisons us. And in this fashion can be seen to use uh, Red Pine's words, it can be seen as leading us in into the womb of Prajnaparamita.
1: This is a when we and go beyond all the categories
0: in which language imprisons us.
1: That's the gate, para gate, gate, the end of the Heart Sutra. So the
0: mantras kind of like the secret language of Buddhas. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: That's it. It's not dependent upon one's level of understanding. It's dependent upon one's practice and how we live our life. So every time we chant, it eliminates obstructions and needs no explanation. The words, they just
0: come in and muddy up the water.
1: You can't use the mind to find the mind. Recurring Zen teaching. An important one.
0: So what we need to realize is there is no mind at all. Profound
1: teaching that's being conveyed in the Heart Sutra of no mind, no self. No thinking, non-thinking, no Saza going beyond. And and the ramifications of that for, for practice, that to study Dharma is to practice, to manifest Prajna is to practice, 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 practice. So that's the red pine piece to this. Now to t- turn to uh, to Coleman. He says, this is the mantra that relieves all
0: sufferings, which are caused by delusion. The sense of, of self and the objects that are confronted by self the delusion
1: of things rather than shunyata. So to begin to practice in a form
0: where we are taking whatever we experience
1: as this form of Gate, gate, gone, gone. Everything. And you can see how this meshes with the Four Noble
0: Truths. If we practice gate, gate, it's moving from the second Noble Truth of the cause of
1: suffering to the third Noble Truth. It's cessation. Gate, gate. So to be able to see existence is constantly
0: is with the sports of the season, going, going, gone. <laughs> That's kind of the call of existence. We're going to have uh, the commentator, the play-by-play for for all of existence, going, going, gone. <laughs>
1: Another <laughs> constant. Whole world is filled with power hitters. <laughs> going, going, gone. yares are skyrocketing. Can't keep it in the park. <laughs> That's existence. So, to be able to practice this gone, gone, and that allows us to be present without grasping on to anything. It's simply be practicing suchness meeting each thing that arises without trying to to control it to tamper with it in a way that I want it to take, to care for it. Because wisdom practiced is compassion. That's part of seeing, this constant movement, gone, gone. As Coben says, each moment we sense something
0: new. Even if it's the same object with the X across, (laughs) the same object, but as we sense it, it's always constantly new. Because of the way our mental faculty works as science is is demonstrating to us. There's nothing fixed about our perception of the world. Even the things we thought were very fixed, like memories. Or like files being put away. Used to be, you take memories as, as the counterexample. Now we know a little bit. Ha, 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 memories are just, they're part of that flux too. And they're ever changing.
1: So what we treat as an object, our experience of it is constantly changing. But we have to be paying attention to realize this, to see this.
0: You know, on a larger macro scale, we can see it in our study of, of the Dharma. You know, I've studied the Heart Sutra quite a few times.
1: And each time, it's like a whole new experience. And it would be for everybody. I'm not unique in that regard. And as you continue to practice
0: and you have occasion to revisit texts, I can guarantee you're gonna have the same sense, but that's easy because that's on a macro scale, but the same thing applies even when we shrink it down. Pieces of
1: music. Every time I hear them, it's a different experience. Every time I see a sunset, it's a different experience. Most of my
0: walks take place in the same place, which there are people that go, well, how can you do <laughs> It's a different experience, believe it
1: or not. It really and truly is. So it's not the same park. <laughs> yeah.
0: One day last week, to use a macro example, you know, I, I had seen a wild turkey in years. There was one right walking right across the path right in front of me. Wasn't the same park it was the day
1: before. <laughs> very different, very different. This is our life. Each moment we sense something new. And then Colvin makes another observation, which is important. He says, no,
0: as in N-O, no, is another term of Maha. As in Maha Prajnaparamita, Maha means boundless, limitless, measureless. So this is important as we start to come to the end of the study of the Heart Sutra, because no, we think of as a negationist, taking something away. And what, all that's being taken away here is delusion. <laughs> <laughs> When it says, you know, no eyes, no ears, no nose, no mind. But no is just another term of maha, which means boundless, limitless, measureless. Which is why in Kastanahashi's translation of the Heart Sutra, in place of emptiness, he uses the term boundlessness because it's a more accurate portrayal in English of what's being pointed to here. Emptiness sounds like you've emptied it of everything. And you've just, you have emptied it of everything. (laughs) But by doing that, you then show it's boundless nature because things are bounded. So that's what we experience, the boundaries of things. My boundary, your boundary, the boundaries of all things. So the teaching of emptiness, of boundlessness, seeing as Coleman suggests that no, is just another term of Maha, is to see that our conventional way of of viewing things
1: is so restrictive and that there's a more liberated way
0: of living our lives and of seeing and responding to our experience. And one of the ways of of, uh, experiencing this freedom, this liberation, a joyous way, Coben points to is when he, he says that gate, gate can be heard as the sounds of birds or violin strings
1: or the snoring of a sleeping man. It's all around us. It's everywhere. It's not just in a chant. It can't
0: be, or it wouldn't be very conducive to practice. This is what all dharma is is designed for us to be able to take it with us and practice it with everything we encounter. Birds, violins, and sleeping people. most importantly he as he says gate gate is the sound of freedom freedom from delusion and that is
1: liberating and should be experienced as such so All I had to say. (laughs) So I'm finished with this. Plug in the speaker (laughs) here. (laughs) <laughs>
0: uh, two things from Red Pine's book, actually. One, he points out how the, the, the mantra is actually a departure from the rest of the Heart Sutra, mm-hmm. that it's very, it, it's sort of cognitive
1: and structured. And then we get to the mantra, which is the opposite. Yeah. And the other thing,
0: although he doesn't say this, and I've never seen it. When when he talks about the translation, I, I've really come to appreciate how important translators are, and and how what should, what word you choose, and yeah. You know. The other translation apparently for gate is understood. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which means understood, understood, beyond understood, completely (laughs) beyond understood. (laughs) Be stopped. Yeah. 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 Um, I had never seen that before. It just
1: takes us a little back to the cognitive, but it's a different way to walk. Right. Right. gone by its very nature, it's kind of this (laughs) open-ended,
0: it raises nothing, it does nothing but raise questions, (laughs) where to, (laughs) where from? What's God <laughs> yeah yeah and it doesn't have any of those it just God take God and so the same thing would apply to understood that's what makes it so powerful whether it's it's gone or understood it's that they're open-ended in that way and if you just say understood what <laughs> <laughs> but this is beyond, that's why it ends with the beyond
1: understanding. It's not an understanding of a why. It's beyond understanding. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's gone. Well, where? <laughs> where did it go? in um, Teresa Balla's writing, okay. he refers to God as the um as the um, was
0: bottomless, limitless, beyond and understanding. God. Yeah. Uh, so you know sitting here listening to your your talk about Maha right. and like that's it. That it all gets some interesting? Uh, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and kind of like wow, yeah, just different terminology that these different paths or, you know, right, right are,
1: are, um, different cultures are are, are, are um, following, yeah, yeah.
0: <clears throat> but I mean, but to say, but, but what uh, Catholicism struggled with and what makes uh, St. Teresa an exceptional figure is because conventionally uh, practitioners get trapped by the words, by the things. So it takes uh, someone like a a St. Teresa to actually be able to go beyond, which she clearly did. So what, what's the difference between her and Dogan? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think they would have uh, dialogued just as easily as Merton and Buddhists like the Dalai Lama. and St. Yeah. Teresa, I think they would
1: have, yeah. they would have uh, been off pretty well. I mean, he does refer to the soul as this as this
0: sort of, I don't know, like a unique, everlasting, yeah, individualistic
1: mm-hmm. entity. Mm-hmm. That Buddhism doesn't really have that.
0: Right. right. Yeah, in fact. Exactly. It really, it couldn't be Buddhism if it did, because, I mean, that really was uh, one of the core teachings of Buddha was on Atman, no soul. So what is the part of Buddhism that referred to reincarnation? Well, what is, what is, <laughs> what is yeah, that takes us well, well afield, but, but uh, to, just... In a nutshell, uh, Buddhists, uh, very serious uh, practitioners uh, who have given a lot of contemplation to this, and they certainly see that conflict between soul, which Buddhism doesn't have, and they recognize that. But what reincarnation is pointing to, or rebirth, Uh, would be more like uh, they might relate it to in physics, the conservation of energy to see it in that light. So that's one way of getting, uh, going beyond this sense of a soul, some fixed substance that gets reborn. But rather, it's just a conservation of energy. And I mean, to a point, uh, I'm okay with that. It's just that uh, what happens with reincarnation and rebirth is people want to still have some sense of identity there. Though. Mm-hmm. Sure. So for me, this con- this conservation of energy is more like, uh, uh, mm-hmm. was it green burials? I think they're referring to. Which, right? It's like that's what I'm going to designate. I'd always stop, you know, just like everybody else, reincarnation. But really. I mean, the continuation is just to, not to be locked up in a vault, but to actually be, become part of the earth again pretty quickly. And uh, that's my conservation of energy and my sense of it. There's no identity to preserve. But, but yeah. The, you know. I used to study Tibetan on my own, but that was always big.
1: Stumbling
0: block. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of dictating where they're reborn. Like, you know, just they're just trying to hold on to their status and stature by naming where they're going to be reborn, and uh, it's just, you know, it's yeah. a big problem. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well,
0: you're not, you're not alone there. I mean, even when I was doing hospice work, there was. The Book of Living and Dying by Sogyal Rinpoche. I and mean, I tried twice. it's like the first half of the book I, I could get through real easy, but then it takes a much deeper dive into reincarnation. I just couldn't even work my way through it. it as much as I wanted to. It's like, no, this is just, I'm not, I'm never going to be there. Never, ever. I just can't subscribe to that whole sense. Of
1: identity, which is to me it's just carrying a sense of self form. any or any form of didn't have any type of, uh, not, not a prayer for, but um, asking for mercy. Um, and like, did she that's one thing the book she does mention like about mercy, like, this God,
0: that's powerless to have mercy on her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I think if there's any of equivalent, and then maybe it's just the word mercy. That you don't hear that. I don't, or at least I don't recall hearing that somewhat
1: in our Buddhist study. Right. The concept of... Because it's kind of like asking this <laughs> deity to <They> help <have, laughs> Some sort of grace or mercy right. on the individual.
0: Well, I mean, what Buddhism? Soul. Yeah. What Buddhism does have that I think relates to that is
1: compassion, of course. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, I, I think uh, so. There's probably like the the Avalokiteshvara. Is that Avalokiteshvara? Yeah. yeah. That's the goddess of compassion. That's right. That's right. So. It's, do some Buddhist. You know, you know to, to Pablo Kora. Oh, absolutely. For, in for, fact, when I when I was back in 2007, when I did a about a three-week trip to China, just visiting, it was the name of the tour was following in Dogen's footsteps. So a lot of it was going to temples, the, the same temples that Dogen had visited. Back in uh, between 1223 and 1227 uh, on his four-year journey to China. But we did a couple of extra curricular Buddhist trips, and one of them was to an island that, of course, we had to uh, get there by boat, and the whole island was nothing but populated by temples honoring. Uh, Kuan Yin Avalok mm-hmm. Far. So we we stayed there actually several days and in several days mm-hmm. there's no way you could visit all the time. <laughs> so. <laughs> so yeah to you answer your question <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. And this is in a country where which had gone through Mao's Cultural Revolution, but Buddhism is, is but it's not like television. Is it a big island? It's it's no, it's not that big. So I mean, it really is. Maybe it's well, like a Kelly's Island size wise. Yeah, I guess maybe that. You could, you could, exactly. Yeah. Maybe we could buy it up and convert it. <laughs> <laughs> we could create that. <laughs> Buddhists across the world would come. <laughs> yeah, It'd right. still be a tourist trap.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so keychains and exactly. statues exactly. and yeah. Yeah. Buddha t shirts. <laughs> you. mm-hmm. Selling the incense <laughs> is a big money. Ah. And it's not these little sticks. I mean they're big. She's mm. <laughs> So the burners are all outside.
1: But even at that, you can stand back a, a bit. Mm. Mm. Any other mm. thoughts? Mm. would. Would the nature be synonymous with going beyond? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. When I think about going beyond, I do follow that kind of like getting somewhere. But then
1: like, even nature is
0: like you're always bad. Like, you get nature. But
1: so, your delusion keeps you from, you know, you're already there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing about God. It's kind of like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs>
0: was always there <laughs> just gotta click your heels <laughs> or, or chant your mantra <laughs> instead of clipping our heels we chant the mantra and then we go beyond all of a sudden <laughs> the wizard of Buddha. <laughs> Except there is no man behind the curtain. That's right. <laughs> that's
1: right. There's no curtain. <laughs>
0: There's
1: a curtain yeah, there is. <laughs> The curtain was <is> started. So <laughs> <that's right.
0: laughs> All right. I vow to myself and to each of you to commit myself daily to the healing of our world and the welfare of all beings,
1: to live on earth more
0: lightly and less violently in the food, products, and energy I consume, to draw strength and guidance from the living earth, the ancestors, the future generations, and my brothers and sisters of all species, to support others in our work for the world and to ask for help when I need it, to pursue a daily practice that clarifies my mind, strengthens my heart, and supports me in
1: observing these vows.